0: Welcome to Stop, Back, and Roll, a podcast about new games, new years, game jams, blueberry jams, one mechanic, two mechanic, red mechanic, blue mechanic. I'm James. And I'm Brandon.
1: Today we're going to be talking about and enthusiastically looking forward to playing the game sent in for our very first game jam. New year, new game, game jam. Yeah, I'm excited. This is our first game jam, right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Cool. <laughs> I think so, too. I had a little moment that I was like, oh, or
0: was it? No, it definitely was. I think we may have talked about games and we have encouraged other people to make games, but I don't think we have actually uh, run an official game jam yet.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. So now we have, though, and I think it went really well. We got uh, eight submissions. Yep. And I'm really excited about all of them. I believe they're all going to be available for people to see and peruse.
0: Yep, I will. Um, we had asked if people would be interested in including the game if, or their game into like a, a collection of sorts to be released online for free. Uh, and I think everybody said yes. So I will um, for the short in the, for the time being, I'm going to put them all into a Google Doc or a Google Drive for people uh, full For the time being, I'm going to put them all in a Google Drive folder for people to see because they're like, some people made theirs as just plain text. Some people made theirs as uh, PDFs with artwork and stuff. Uh, uh, At some point, I'll try to format them into like an actual PDF that we can maybe throw up somewhere um, more officially. But for the time being, I'll include a link to that file or uh, folder in the show notes. So if you are going through all of these games, it might not be a bad
1: idea to get the folder open. We're going to try to have as full of an explanation as we can, but there just
0: isn't enough time for us to read everything from every game. Yeah, so we're going to try to run through, talk about the cool things they did, talk about uh, what the mechanic was that they hacked, uh, and uh, and uh, move on. Yeah, exactly. So a quick reminder, uh, we called this the New Year New Game Game Jam. Because I like coming up with the dumbest names. And uh, the rule or the theme this year was uh, single mechanic games. We kind of intentionally left that a little vague. Uh, the only rules that I had officially written down were that all games must have a single mechanic. Uh, that single mechanic must be hacked pr- from a pre-existing game that you did not write. <laughs> and some people broke that rule. Some people Brandon. broke that rule. Brandon. Yeah. Um, and... So, that's good. I think actually a lot of people broke the single mechanic thing, and I think that says something about single mechanic games uh, that we can maybe get to. I mean, I've also broken that rule. There's a possibility I broke both. And it's fine. Like I think that the games that people made were interesting, and that the the limitation made people think about games in an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, And so, I think that'll be good.
1: And honestly, I think I would play most if not all of these games oh yeah yeah so i'm i'm pumped to go through them uh we don't have any business to cover do we uh
0: no i don't think so um we are still working on the patreon rework um that will come out in the next uh barley but hopefully by the end of january is my goal for that um they Patreon rolled back. If we, I don't think, I don't actually, I think this did happen since the last time we talked about it. it did. The Patreon rolled back their decision to move mm-hmm. forward with their payment changes. So, um, we're going to stick around with Patreon for a while that you kind of listen to people. So I like that. Um, I don't think we lost too many, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Um, and, but other than that, uh, we're back for the new year, 2018. This is our year of getting stuff done. Yeah. And we're going to, I'm going to try to, my goal is going to be to try to like get a whole bunch of the games that I've been working on finished. uh, Like finished, finished. And, and some of the games that we, that are like, like uh we've been talking forever about taking um, Lucha del Raton, which is a, a game yeah. that is mostly finished. And then like, just like polishing it up, tweaking the mechanics. If we need to, to take it away from lasers and feelings a little bit more. Uh, and then just, like, releasing it officially. Yeah, polishing it up may include gutting it and starting over, but yeah. we'll
1: have to see. All right, so do you want to go ahead and jump right into this uh, Right into this game jam?
0: Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So the first game we're going to talk about is by Brian Marr, who is uh, Observer on Twitter and our Discord and stuff like that, if you've seen them. Uh, and they wrote a game called Defrag Me, uh, which is a hack of Dread's uh, Jenga tower mechanic and is set in a cool... Um, sort of weird apoc like post not post apocalypse but like uh 1984 um I can't what's the other dystopian dystopian future yeah there we go uh set in a in a cool 1984 style dystopian future
1: yeah it's very cool it's very it's about uh you are a you're not clones here's a quote from it you are not clones, but fragments. The machine somehow separated different aspects of your personality and conjured bodies for them to inhabit. And mm-hmm. so it's it has kind of that feel of science and being created people, and just trying to kind of get by.
0: Yep, and you take which is on very cool. You take on aspects of the original person. Um, you have a strength and a weakness, and no one's allowed to overlap um yeah. and then you have to all kind of go out and try to solve things
1: yeah the gm gives you tasks to complete which can be no more than twice the number of players and basically the task is a conversation with someone that you know so mm-hmm. like that the whole body presumably knows and yeah. so you're having this conversation within the Within the context of your own strengths and weaknesses, because you are a fragmented person.
0: Yeah, and so you're trying to like reconnect with that person that you uh, these these physical people that you know, and then the person that is the original uh, thing that you were broken of, so that you can kind of kind of uh, be defragged and 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 come back together uh, as a single person again.
1: It's very cool. So like when you're doing things related to your weakness, then you pull three blocks. If it's your strength, you pull one. If it's neither, you pull two. And so it really does handle the idea behind Dread very well. Yeah. I think and... there's a possibility. Oh, no, no. Right. I, I missed it. Uh, I was going to say there's a possibility might be a little too easy, but I'm seeing that you place the Jenga tower and pull one block for each player, plus one for the GM, which is a great way to get started
0: on any Dread-style
1: game. So mm-hmm. wonderfully done, Brian.
0: yeah and i like that there is a there is an epilogue and a fugitive mode where like if you fail you can one of your one of those fragments cannot be recombined into the original into like that person at the end yeah and then you just have like a person who doesn't have those strengths and weaknesses i guess um and that there's some sort of storytelling guidelines for how to tell like an epilogue um uh, that follows what happens to this recombined person and like the repercussions of failed or abandoned conversations they had.
1: It's really cool. I'm a huge fan of it. I could really see it being a fun kind of. I-, I could see it being done in sort of a cyberpunky way or in just a
0: near future, maybe Black Mirror sort of way. I think either of those could work really well. Have you ever seen? This is getting a little bit off gaming, but onto the onto the theming of that. Have you ever seen the movie uh, What Happened to Monday? No, I haven't. I recommend anyone who is interested in the theming of this game, go watch that movie. It is basically the same thing, except instead of being fragments of one person, it is a world where it takes place in a world where siblings are illegal and the main characters are seven siblings or they're, they're, they're actually like septuplets Uh, and they all are allowed to go out. They basically like their father sets them up to be one person and they each have a day of the week where they get to be that person.
1: Is that now like a Netflix series it, or something?
0: It was. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about a book for some reason. No, no, no. Sorry, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie, and it's okay. fantastic. I saw. Um, I saw the preview for that. I didn't actually see it. Yeah, it's Numi Rapace and Willem Dafoe, and it's it's just it's absolutely phenomenal.
1: All right. So yeah. So I think this looks like a fantastic game. I would love to play it sometime. Yeah. Um, It's another great thing to do with your Jenga tower if you've totally (laughs) run out of dread and totally run out of tension.
0: Yeah, and so in terms of the hack, it is pretty much they're just taking um brian took the 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 regular mechanic i did like the addition of i don't remember if um dread has this but when you do when you do fugitive mode where if you fail a significant if you fail enough times and you get noticed by the police you can choose to rather than just ending the game go into fugitive mode where everyone has to play pull two blocks for every action they're taking just to like make everything harder and now you're on the run from the police i don't Um, think that there is and so i thought that was an interesting twist to that that original mechanic yeah, I like that. It's very cool. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next game. Which thank will... you very much, Brian. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, which will so the next game we'll talk about will be Loyalty Celebration, which is Randy, which is another dystopian game. <laughs> I ordered these kind of interestingly, um, which is by Randy Lubin uh, and is a hack of uh, Ghost Court or is inspired by Ghost Court, um, and it is a game in which you are characters who are living in a post-apocalyptic bunker uh, that is being run by fickle artificial intelligence that demands loyalty, and the whole game is um, a loyalty celebration with air, <laughs> with air quotes around it, um, where you sit down and you accuse the people who work and live around you of committing crimes, and, uh, and then kind of argue it out Ghost Court style.
1: I'm a huge fan of how Randy did this. Uh, it has... I I was initially reading through it and going like, "Oh, so he took Ghost Court and reskinned it." But it isn't even that. He did actually take the single mechanic from Ghost Court. Ghost Court has the setup that you have one person has the defendant card and one person has the litigant card. And he went, "Okay, one of those, the litigant." And yeah. that's fantastic because he has all of these fantastic uh just <laughs> accusations for people to make against people
0: (laughs) i love all the things that are not true that are not legal like seasoning your meal with hot sauce (laughs) is that your favorite of them i think it's my favorite because it's just like in in this list of like don't own weapons don't form secret organizations and like the things you expect dystopian governments to try to enforce on their people on their their uh their people and then uh and then yeah don't don't season your food with hot sauce no I, possession of mutant abilities is also good.
1: I loved the, a citizen seems to be enjoying their ration. They must have been using hot sauce. You didn't yeah. even see them use hot sauce. They're just like, hey,
0: that looked like they were enjoying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it translates into the uh, the the accusations. And it is good. And it, I love that it also specifically says, it doesn't matter if the accusation is true.
1: Oh, yeah. A citizen made a limerick about Pal? Is another really great one because that encourages the players automatically to have to write a limerick.
0: Yeah, which yeah, yeah.
1: is so good. That's that's just that emergent gameplay that I love coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are good. The, the 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 accusations are hilarious. Yeah, and and you just kind of sit there. Uh, so then the other thing is that if you are found guilty of the crime, then narratively you have had your memory wiped and you come back as a different citizen. Yeah. <laughs> And so that you can keep playing um and it's good it's it's definitely it's a very like weirdly like narrow focused version of that uh ghost court mechanic that was very true to our uh, our single mechanic uh rule you know what's also fun uh
1: he has it listed as a thirty to sixty minute game but you it then says each investigation should only last three to five minutes so if you really pushed it to its to its limit and you were like no we are playing this. Until every card
0: is used.
1: You still only have like 80 minutes of play. Yeah. Which is amazing. These tight little short games are so much fun. I'm getting really into them.
0: I would really enjoy playing a version of this game where you, after you've had your memory erased, you don't come back as a different citizen. You are just issued a name and you come back as that same, like as, as a citizen with who now only knows their name and that they may or may not have committed a crime in the past. And then you just end up with like, you You could start with some sort of light character creation and people could have like an idea of who they are. And then by the end, nobody knows who anyone is uh, and they're just accusing each other of things because they're being encouraged to do that. It's
1: also great that uh, it has the no falsely accusing your fellow citizens as yeah. one of the treasonable offenses. <laughs> so at the end of every round, someone is getting memory wiped.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good. The it's the theming is very good. The um, Randy writes really well themed games. Yeah, um, I, I highly recommend going and fo- looking at his other games. Behind the magic. Yeah, behind the magic, behind is, the magic is something is so that I I still have not gotten to play. I'm gonna maybe have to oh, go yeah. to um, uh, Dreamation sh- Dreamation just to play that game because I miss I like I, I couldn't stick around <laughs> just be awake enough to do that at Metatopia. I'm I'm um, kind of
1: hoping to try to work that out too. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to. Well, it's gonna we'll be see. tough. Yeah, but thank you very much for Andy. This is such a good game. These both of these games so far. I love all of these games to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the next game we're going to talk about is Matt Hansen's World of Cardboard. It is a Chronicles of Darkness hack uh, pulling out the exploding D10 system and is about playing Superman. It's very cool. Uh, and it, yeah, it takes its influence from a Justice League United quote where Superman describes being uh, being in a world of made of cardboard because he's so strong and powerful that everything is just like brittle and weak around him until he finally runs into... Um, some super villain, and he can kind of just unleash on them and not have to hold back.
1: That's pretty much how I feel all the time. So this <laughs> yeah. game really related to me on a very personal level.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so it lays out a a pretty basic uh, character superhero creation system where you you make up a list of a couple powers, uh, you yep. choose some ties to humanity to give you some NPCs and some, and some reasons to, to do what you do.
1: Which is also basically your health.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You describe... Which is also really cool. Yeah. You describe what your character looks like, what the world calls you, what what you call yourself. Um, Spider guy. Yeah, the ties to humanity is interesting.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a neat little trick because when you lose a tie to humanity, you cross it out, and that human connection in that tie is now lost forever, and when a character's out of ties, the GM takes control. So that really simultaneously has you writing narrative that builds your character into the world and then shows the moments when they're moved away from it. So the dice system is cool. It's really funky. Uh because it has a statement that James and I both didn't believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which is
0: that it's a you're rolling d10s (laughs) and you and then they are exploding d10s, meaning you re roll them every time that they are a 10. And the whenever you need to make a skill roll, you roll as many d10s as you want.
1: Yeah, which both of us read and went, Okay, that seems
0: that seems wrong,
1: (laughs) but it works. It does. Uh, It's really cool actually, because what you end up doing is looking at the results and subtracting the difficulty. And if you have five, if you're below it by five or more, then you get a setback, which I believe means you lose some ties to humanity. Mm -hmm. And if you succeed by five or more, then you unleash your powers and it's too much and you get a
0: major setback also. Yeah, and so it's all about hitting that middle point of, of a certain number of successes.
1: Yeah, I'm getting kind of like, almost like a shades of, uh, uh, of all out of bubblegum. Yeah,
0: yeah. That you're yeah. in this
1: place of trying to manage where you, where you fit, how your strength is, and just kind of managing all of that. Because when you, because you could sit down and say, oh, I am going to go pick up Lois Lane from work. And I'm going to use 50
0: dice. And you will definitely succeed at that. Oh, oh, and this is interesting. I missed this the first time around totally. Yeah. Um, that the success, the so you're not just exploding tens. You are, you're re-rolling or exploding any successes. And that, that success number you have to hit goes down as you lose ties to humanity.
1: Yes, you become more powerful. And so it's
0: easier for you to blow through and just hit that like dramatic success where you unleash your powers, but like ruin things. Yeah. You have to pull back more and more. I like this game. This is just one of these like micro games that every time I read it, I find something new that I missed the first time around. And it's like an onion. It's like an onion. It's like a cake. It's like a parfait. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an ogre.
1: It's like an ogre. Yeah. Very much like an ogre. Uh it's, uh it's like an ogre in that it says roll as many d10s as you want and you look at the ogre and you say are you sure?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does but I see what you're saying. It does feel a little bit like uh like the all out of bubblegum where it's just a game that's designed to like let you be cool badass characters um who sometimes go a little too far. Yeah. Um, and
1: but it really focuses in on that feeling of going too far. It's it's about cuz like you could theoretically sit down and lose in four roles you could do four actions and be done because you just decided that you were dr manhattan and you were going to (laughs) just finish this thing up as quickly as possible and be nuclear on the moon and that's quite all right thank you very much
0: yeah 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 i like this and it definitely has, like, if you don't count the character creation, which I think is totally fair. Yeah, um, it basically has that one mechanic of you roll d10s, they explode. Uh, the results table is kind of the mechanic, um, and that then that the uh, there's the sliding uh, success yeah. guide bar. Yeah, word for that is it's super cool.
1: Yeah, so I, I like want to play cool. this also. Thank you very much, Matt. It's an excellent uh, little game. I like
0: it. So the next game is the normal RPG by Mark uh, Aquilino, and uh, uh, he's
1: from Praxis Arcanum, which is a game company I think that's starting up or a game that's starting up. I, I see that like they've got two tweets. Yeah. So I think it's a if you want to get in on the ground floor of mm-hmm. seeing Praxis Arcanum's tweets. And act this now.
0: game, this game, get looks like it's it could get really dark.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like it could. Uh, And it has a note to that it features adult content and uh, that there that it is an exploration of of mental disorders and life with mental disorders, Uh, Mm -hmm. that it focuses on sensitive topics and that it isn't really supposed to be an entertaining fun game. It's supposed to be evocative and lead you through some of the things.
0: Hmm. And so it kind of uses this affliction mechanic from the Darkest Dungeon video game. Yeah, I didn't.
1: I I didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> it yeah, like I, a video
1: game I, thing, which is super cool. I'm into that.
0: Yeah, and so for people who do not know, uh, Darkest Dungeon is a sort of like a 2D dungeon crawling game. Um, that focuses a lot on the effects of running through a dungeon that is dark and dimly lit and full of terrible horrible things and watching your friends get hurt uh, and the stress and affliction I guess is the right word that that um that puts on your characters
1: yes, exactly
0: so everybody makes a character, and that character is uh is is defined initially by um choosing from a list of mental disorders. They suggest the the Wikipedia list of mental disorders as a starting point. And one at a time, you kind of play your character uh, as the GM leads you through sort of like normal events. Um, And whenever you have to do an activity that is uh, sort of like, would be complicated by the mental illness, you can choose to either persevere or give in. And... If you persevere, uh, you are hindered by the illness, but succeed at the task, but you also take on a new mental illness from the list. Yeah. And if you give in, then you fail at the task and suffer narrative consequences of that.
1: Right, so you're faced with a situation that is difficult for you to manage and just are not able to complete the task, and then kind of go through and tell the story of what that feels like and what that looks like in the day.
0: Yeah. And the kind of, I think the key there is that they, uh, they say you're not allowed to excuse yourself from the responsibilities or the, the task. Um, you have to face it and choose to either give in or persevere through the mental illness. Right. And that as you are, if you choose to persevere and succeed at these tasks, then you do sort of build more mental illnesses and you will end up with with more tasks that are difficult to do as they sort of stack on top of each other.
1: And it makes the suggestion that fifteen to twenty minutes is enough for any player, uh, which might <laughs> I might suggest that, that might actually be a little bit too long to kind of sit within I, I guess it would really depend upon upon the person and the player. Uh I I I work with um I, I work in mental health and I know a lot of the situations that people experience can be really, really hard. And I think that this game, uh, Mark's definitely doing a a stellar job of just making sure that they're trying to treat that with with some respect with it and like saying, Hey, this isn't this isn't just like silly wild time. This is something that someone is like legitimately trying to work through something
0: it's this is a this is a game that could get really hard um but i think it's uh it's interesting uh so the next game that we are going to move on to talk about is netflix and chill tinder kill which is by Elspeth denman who is a friend of ours and is one of the the cast members of the protean city comics podcast that we also make oh see i was going to do a whole thing where we're like oh she has a podcast it's a protean city comics
1: people should check (laughs) it out I haven't had a chance to listen, but it's very good. I hear. Yeah. People keep telling okay. me. Well, I will include that bit. Yeah, uh, include the it after else. the after our
0: previous explanation. Yep, yep, yep. And so this is a game that is a hack of the millennial apartment hunters, kind of. Well, um, uh, you explain this because I don't actually know millennial par- millennial oh, apartment hunters that well.
1: We haven't played that have we? Oh my
0: god! I, I have to... never played it. I have played it with Elsbeth. So yeah. So why don't you explain this game then?
1: Yeah, sounds good. So this is actually, I think this is doing a couple of funny things. The basic idea of Millennial Apartment Hunters is that you have a couple of apartments and you're going to be choosing one of them to live in. In this case, uh, it's modified a little bit so that you are choosing basically uh, Netflix and chill, having a relationship, Tinder, having a hookup or kill, which is killing them. And so it's like that uh, Kill Mary Sleep With game that <laughs> people play uh, in high school and things like that, combined with Millennial Apartment Hunters. And it has like just a. I just, I never noticed the play sheets actually. They're very nice. Yeah. But basically, the idea is you have a, kind of like in a dating show sort of way uh, characters that are created. By pulling out little chips. And so like you have chips that are marked as positive, negative, and oh dear god why. <laughs> and as they're pulled out, the group is coming up with traits for uh, for what the person is like. So positive might be I like long walks on the beach accompanied by meaningful conversation. Negative is uh, I like to clip my toenails in public places and not clean up horrible is I then take those toenails, grind them into a fine meal, and bake them into bread, because I believe that my toenails have magical healing
0: properties. (laughs) Yeah, so uh,
1: basically uh, the idea is you are just creating these possible people to date, and Mm -hmm. then uh, KFMing them, and deciding which of those options that you would like to go with. Yeah, the thing
0: that, uh, so something that I had talked about, uh, talked to Elizabeth actually about was that I think that the way the game is written, you were supposed to pull the full, the full four markers right at the top and create these sort of like terrible characters. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if you're going through four rounds of questioning, you should only pull one per question round and then build these characters. And so like at the beginning, if you pull a good, um, a good marker, you might end up that coming off in that first round like a good care a good person, uh, and then slowly get weirder and weirder.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. I really do like having, because you get this wonderful moment of dread when someone reaches in and pulls out one positive trait and three, oh God, why traits. Yeah. Um, Which is something that is a lot of fun in Millennial Apartment Hunters, and I think would also be delightful in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like that's pretty much the core of the game, and uh, sometimes you have a host, sometimes you don't, but uh, it just it really takes that core mechanic of pulling out the chip and using those chips for positive, negative, or terrible things. Uh, and obviously you can play this in any sort of setting you'd like to play. One of the examples given is that someone is maybe a vampire, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, go wild with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you easily take it from uh, the most like mundane, terrible traits that people have to like totally random, uh, obscure horror tropey monster fiction stuff. Yeah, and like you know, there's
1: there, there's definitely some play in kind of the Schadenfreude of of having that knowledge, and uh, like all of us know somebody who did some kind of online dating. And just had a baffling experience. And I think that this really plays into that in a fun way. Yeah. So awesome. Elspeth, thank you very much for sending this in. We're totally going to have to have an awkward dating conversation at some point. That'll be so mm-hmm. much fun. Mm-hmm. And I think playing, I think playing it up like a game show is something that could really work well.
0: Like Oh yeah, absolutely. Because
1: Millennial Apartment Hunters really sings best when you're being the property brothers you know you're like really leaning into it uh and i could talk about millennial
0: apartment hunters all day and how to gm that and how to play that but i'm not going to do that <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next game that we're going to talk about is called wizard's brunch it was written by nora blake and uh she hacked the uh liar's dice mechanic yeah uh, or game I'm, it's not really it's, it's kind of its own thing yeah
1: liar's dice is a game it's a really fun one I think. It's like this, it's, so basically, have you played Liar's Dice or no?
0: I don't think I have.
1: Okay, so you have dice in a cup, you roll your dice, you don't let the other people see it, and you make a claim about how many numbers there are on the dice. Uh, so you might look at your dice, you see you have three ones. You look at the other two players at the table and you go, there are four ones at the table. And so basically you're making the claim as to how many dice are available overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there are at least as many, and so someone eventually goes like, you know, you're lying, uh, and you pick up the dice cups, and everyone looks at the total amount of dice, if you're telling the truth, then you get something. And if you were lying,
0: then you lose something.
1: They mm-hmm. play it in Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: And so in this game, you They're are playing... playing In this game, you are playing wizards sitting in the Greasy Grimoire, which is a famous wizard pub. Very famous. Uh, And you're basically playing this game and you are claiming, like, how many weird uh, wizard victims you've, I guess, uh, bewitched, spelled. (laughs) I don't like the description. Experimented on wizard (laughs)
1: victims. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You're you're talking about your exploits and you're just playing stuff up and I, uh Nora continue uses uh Nora uses bewitched primarily but mm-hmm. I'm sure you could use other things as well if you didn't want to just bewitch things yeah uh but basically what you do is you just ramp it up in the same way that you do with liar's dice and so you can either move from the 1 to the 6 in terms of the die result or you can move up in the number of dice that are on the table. And it's a, it's a great bluffing game with like a, a surprising amount of math and statistics in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm such a fan of this game, actually. It's one I used to play all the time. The basic thing that makes this really different is that if you are challenged and you win, you gain a point of adept, which represents your reputation as a worker of wonders. If you're challenged and you lose, you gain a point of charlatan, which is your reputation as a liar and a cheat and uh vice versa with calling challenges. Uh oh wait no I'm sorry. If you call a challenge you gain a point of arcane, which is your intuition and perception. If you lose a challenge, you get a p- point of mundane, which represents being less compatible with the nuances of magic. Uh when one wizard has only one die in their cup, uh then you are interrupted by stray magic or wandering dragons. Uh, your adept and charlatan cancel each other out, your arcane and mundane do, and what you're left with determines your final reputation. So then you just kind of have some, some, presumably some wizard bullying, where you talk about who is the most arcane and things like that, and I love that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a little bit like... um... There's this whole genre of of just sort of like sitting around the uh a table telling stories about things. Genre of games like the uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which I'm a huge fan of, and this is sort of like that, but with some more like actual like dice mechanic to it.
1: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but if I were playing this game, I would be telling big elaborate stories. (laughs) Oh yeah, it would not just be I bewitched two goblins, and I don't think Nora intended that to be the case. I think someone starts giving you the side eye, and you're like, "Oh, you should have seen them." Blah, 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 blah. I'm going through the whole thing.
0: I yeah, love it. I'm really, I'm a huge fan. It's a very, it's a very, um, an interesting take on by giving you that way that methodology of of uh, extrapolating out like goblins, humans, orcs, trolls, and stuff from the numbers. It, it tells you how to interpret your boasting in ways that is not just like a "I've got four ones or whatever. Yeah.
1: This this might cool. just replace
0: liar's dice for me
1: mm-hmm. which is a nice thing I like that so awesome uh, thank you very much Nora
0: so the next game we're going to talk about is Holly Tech and Jolly Mancy by Alice Tobin and uh, she hacked the it, it's kind of interesting um, because it, it is is technically I think she says that it's a hack of lasers and feelings but really I think it's actually a hack of the Powered by the Apocalypse style moves it just sort of has a lasers and feelings framing around it
1: well, she also does say that it is specifically the moves from Pasión de las Pasiones, uh, from uh, famed game designer Brandon Leon Gambetta. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is definitely within that format of Lasers and Feelings,
0: uh, which is and great. Lasers and Feelings makes these tight little games. Yeah, and so kind of the way this works mechanically, and then we can jump back and talk about the, the theming, which is yeah. phenomenal. It's great is that you You have... You have two things in Jolly Mancy and Holly Tech, which are sort of the equivalent of Lasers and Feelings. Mm-hmm. But where in in Lasers and Feelings, you ask yourself some questions about, like, is this a skill you have? Are you prepared? And so on to determine how many dice you're rolling. And then you roll to try to hit a certain number. In this, you are asking yourself those those questions and then rolling... A, on a against still like a like rolling 2d6 against uh the whatever the typical um, power by apocalypse move chart yeah and and with like a 10 plus being a great a success with style a 7 and to 9 being a success but at a cost and a 6 or low a lower being a failure or a success with a great cost yeah this and, game also
1: has the distinction of being what i want to steal a lot of stuff from to make luchador <laughs> better
0: yeah yeah i can see that i can see yeah. that a lot um and so then I wanna jump back and just talk about how this is a phenomenally themed Christmas <laughs> game where you are either some kind of a Christmas wizard. like so you bet you play as an elf or reindeer penguin polar bear snow person and then either working in the scouting, transport, security, delivery, or logistics departments at the North Pole. I'm gonna go ahead and be a security penguin. Nice. No a transport I like penguin. A- transport penguin? Yeah. I like a logistics polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you were either trained in Jolly Mansy, which is like Christmas magic, I think, or Holly Tech, which is North Pole, like, technology. Yeah. And those are your two moves then. And so you would ask yourself is this part of for jolly mancy so you would ask yourself is this part of your specialty? Uh, are you a trained practitioner and in, is in, in, is this spreading holiday cheer? And for holly tech you ask yourself how is it, or is this handled by your department? Are you a certified holly technician and will this is this keeping with the Christmas spirit?
1: Yeah. Uh, and then the final thing to kind of go into is, because this is in the Lasers and Feelings framework, it also has a roll table for creating a Christmas adventure. Do you have a die next to you right now, James, or are you a bad gamer? I don't. All right. Sorry. Well, then, I'm going to go ahead and roll and give one result. A shadowy government organization wants to steal Santa Claus, which will break the time-space continuum and ruin Christmas. Yep. Yep. and all of the, all all, of the, last
0: love, all of the last ones are all of them are ruined Christmas yeah this, which is great
1: this is a delightful little Christmas game I think there need to be more Christmas games but uh yeah I, I think it works it it fits tightly together and it's a really nice take on lasers and feelings which I love lasers and feelings but sometimes it can get a little fiddly as you're trying to work out oh does this tie in is someone gonna help me blah blah and that kind of slows it down and I think this would maybe be a little quicker.
0: Yeah, and I think that most people who hack losers and feelings tend to just change the two top lines. Yeah, and but leave that rolling mechanic. And this was kind of the opposite of like taking they. I mean, Alice did change the top lines or the top two things as well. Yeah, but also um, switched out the whole rolling mechanic for something totally different, which I like. Uh, I think it works really well. Yeah, I
1: I legit want to play all these games. Yeah,
0: we need to make happen. Definitely, definitely, definitely
1: uh okay. so thank you so much for sending that in alice it's really excellent
0: yeah i think that uh it might technically be a violation of the one mechanic rule <laughs> but i like it a lot so i'm gonna I let think it, I'm a gonna lot let it of these are a violation of the one
1: mechanic. i think maybe the one mechanic rule was not a well thought out rule
0: i th- yeah I w- well let's talk about your the thing that you wrote and then let's talk about that
1: <laughs> yes okay so i cheated um, yeah, because one of the rules was you can't use something from your own game, which was and a rule I wrote specifically I, for Brandon, specifically for me, because I started talking about doing a hack using my face certain death move from Pasión de las Pasiones, and that's what I did. So, <laughs> so eat it,
0: James. I'm so betrayed.
1: Yeah. Uh, So my game is face certain deaths, probably in the woods, uh, but I might come up with a different name for it at some point. And basically what it is, is you are, uh, you know, teenagers in a cabin in the woods, or whatever, people in a cabin in the woods, and you're playing yourselves, and each player writes down a th- an aspect of the threat, which goes to the GM, just so that they have kind of a scary threat of some kind. Um, and then the mechanic that I used is you roll 2d6 with the PBTA rules of the 7 to 9 and the 10+. plus. Uh, on a hit, you get a a good whack at the monster and they mark harm on a 7 to 9 you choose 1 from a list and cross it out and on a 6 minus the GM chooses 1 from the list and crosses it out and so the list has a bunch of different options so it has things like it, it basically goes from nicest option to worst option and it's all about being a kind of a slasher fic so there's an option of like realizing a weakness and taking plus forward in the next confrontation there's Three, four different options that lead to death. Five different options that lead to death. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is a slasher flick. Um, And so basically your goal as the players is to not take these negative consequences. And because when you start out the game, you'll be able to go, oh, I take a glancing hit. I got a cool cut. It's above my eye. I'm really, I'm sick looking. It's amazing. But by the end of it, you're rolling and your options are like, okay, I can take a critical root wound or just be killed completely. And uh, so it's basically, it's honestly basically dread. But mm-hmm. uh, with, with some, PBT instead. Exactly. Um, if the threat marks its last harm, uh, then you win and you give a brief epilogue for any remi- remaining living players. If the last player dies, the game ends. Either way, be sure to tease the sequel. Nice. Uh, Yeah, so I cheated because I made it Passion. (laughs) This is just the death move from Passion, but made
0: a little bit more mechanical. I I really like the idea of the PBTA moves where you have to choose one uh, and then cross it out so you can't use it again. Yeah. That was a thing that I used a little bit in my my space game that I've been working on. Yeah. Um, And I like that as a way of, like, you can just do the same move over and over again, but you have fewer and worse options every time.
1: Yeah, because presumably someone is, I mean, theoretically... Someone could choose the worst option right from the start. <laughs> but kind of in the GM suggestion section that I didn't write, it might be like, hey, don't kill people right away. Yeah. Just because that's not as much fun. Uh, but yeah, so basically the idea is just to have this list that is going to progressively become worse and worse. I think it might be something that it would be really easy to just get to the table quickly, which is not the thing I wanted to do.
0: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, James, tell us about your game. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So, I tried and failed to write a game. Um, And
1: that's okay. It's okay to try to make a game and have it not work out.
0: Uh, In my defense, I tried the absolute hardest thing I could possibly do. um, In that I was trying to work with the, in in the mechanic that I picked. I picked the death spiral mechanic from uh, 7C 2nd Edition um which sort of is that every time you take damage you fill in these bubbles when you hit dramatic wounds which are like one every once every 4 um you it, it changes some effect in 7C you start out getting bonuses and then negatives as like you get take as you first get wounded and take negatives and then get mad because you've been taking so much damage right yeah um and so i was going to play with that and and try to uh, play out a uh like that that moment in the kung fu movie when there is the big hero and he's facing off against the gang of of like dozens of ninjas or or of kung fu guys and yeah. um and they all fight kind of like one at a time and that the way that was going to work was that you were going to have a small spiral For each of your, you would basically like generate uh, a kung fu villain, uh, like just like Mook one at a time um, with this sort of death spiral. And that every time you hit a dramatic move, that would represent you like being thrown backwards through a wall or picking up a new weapon. Okay. uh, And changing the amount of damage that you would do. Okay. And so you would start off doing like just one damage. And then when you hit your first dramatic wound, now you're doing two damage. Then when you hit your second dramatic wound, now you're doing three uh, because you're picking up progressively bigger weapons or whatever. Right. Of course. Um, or teaming up or whatever. And that the, the, the hero would have one big spiral. And so they would start off doing one damage. And so like early in the game, the characters would have just exchanges of one damage. But by the time, uh, and with the attention being that once your character has filled up their death spiral, they are removed from combat, and you come up with a new character. Okay, and so that, um, in the beginning, like I said, you would be trading one blow back and forth, doing some damage to each other. And uh, but by the end, when you've done some more damage to the hero, and they have picked up new weapons or torn off their shirt or whatever is representing that they're doing more damage now, uh, they might <laughs> be doing tear like off the shirt to do
1: more damage.
0: <laughs> They would they would be doing three or four or five points of damage per thing, which might be like two hitting mooks now. Yeah. Um, to represent that toward the end of the fight, the the hero is sort of like throwing mooks left and right. Um, and the problem that I ran into was just that without a uh, randomness mechanic of any sort, yeah. the game just like it just didn't feel like it was like it was doing anything. There wasn't enough there because the idea would be kind of that you would just have to tell a story about how this, this combat was going, but because you were just trading blows, there was no interesting storytelling mechanic there.
1: Would it even, it would kind of maybe be just a thing that it's, literally would play the exact same way every time without a mechanic. And that was right? my other
0: big concern. Yeah. yeah. It probably would play through the uh, the whole exact way. Yeah. So I think, and that was, and so the thing that I did that I think some of our other, the people who submitted games to us did not do was that I was trying to really limit myself to literally one mechanic. And that was very hard for the mechanic that I chose because it wasn't like the lasers and feelings dice rolling mechanic because right. there was no randomness to it. I think that there is a way forward with this game if I allow myself to say in these chunks you are rolling damage. Not It's not how much damage you are doing. Or maybe the mooks do the same amount of damage every turn. Like your characters do the, the, a set amount of damage. Yeah. But the hero does a random amount of damage. I could see that. Yeah. Um, I,
1: think, I think that it's worth noting that there's definitely some mechanics that work really well. On their own, and some that don't. Yeah. If you went, hey, I'm doing a game that is just D and D feats. Uh, so what happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's no roll mechanic. There's no option to do anything. Just you can move your modifier that you don't have from one roll <laughs> to another one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah, thing yeah. I took cleave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that I actually do really kind of want to finish this game um, expanding to let myself use more uh, more mechanics. Uh, I think a cool list of things like Kung Fu things that happen in a fight so that whenever you hit one of those dramatic moments, you take one and cross it off. Yeah. Um, uh, would be cool. Uh, so I think there is a solution around that problem of the game not being a game or fun uh, or even interesting. And I just think it's worth working on and and I think I may do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I was having a similar thought with Face Certain Death that it is kind of, like I could see it being played right now, but I wonder if a full PBTA game where you are always, where every move is crossing off options so that your choices mm-hmm. just get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer could be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also and, probably and- horror and also probably a one shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like, so I intentionally chose a, a, a dumb mechanic. Uh, I wa- like, some of what I wanted to try to do was to push myself to see if I could take a single dumb mechanic and turn it into an interesting game. And maybe someone who is a better game designer than I am could do that. But I think I learned some interesting things thinking about that single mechanic. And that I think that where a lot of our other and I think this is what was good this is what I was going for, and this is what I think is good about this game jam, yeah, which is that I think a lot of our the people who submitted games ended up with games that technically have more than one mechanic in them, but by thinking about limiting themselves in those ways, they ended up with systems and games that are very interesting,
1: yeah, I think that uh, that realistically, in terms of like mechanic moving parts. The majority of these are one thing. They're just things that have inherent emergent gameplay that comes from them, mm-hmm. which is maybe, maybe like kind of the line of whether something will work or not for this.
0: Yeah. The other thing, I think there is a line between um, some of the people who submitted games took. Games that were themselves already single mechanics, yeah. and kind of reskinned them or limited them in some way to kind of really make it one mechanic. Yeah, and that is a that's totally legit and was within the rules. And I think the, some of the more successful of the games uh, did that. I chose a mechanic that was not designed to be used on its own, <laughs> and now I know why because <laughs> that was dumb. Um, but yeah i I'm
1: so excited about all these games. I know a couple of people also were working on something, but didn't get it in before now. If you'd like us to take a look at it, send it our way. I'd love to see it. Um is there is there anything else that we really want to say about this jam?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'd love I'll to do guess. another jam sometime. Yeah, we may have to do something before next year. So, yeah,
1: that was our game jam. And I loved all these games. Thank you all so much for writing them. And uh, be on the lookout. We'll let you know when kind of the compiled copy comes out. Until then, we'll be putting up a Google folder so that people can uh, check them out and play them. Yep. And if you do play them, let us know.
0: Yeah. And if you want to let us know, let us know on Twitter, uh, where you can tweet at us at Stop, Pack, and Roll, or individually. Where I am at and the meltdowns,
1: and I'm at Doctor Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on, but not all of them, because Brandon needs to update that on www.stopbackandroll.com.
0: Uh, you can send us an email at either James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. If you would like to help out the
1: show, uh, consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. It's really an awesome way for more people to learn about it. It does suggestion algorithms, yada 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 yada.
0: It helps people find the show.
1: Yeah, which helps us to get sponsored by Bombas Socks and Casper and things like that.
0: (laughs) I'm actually wearing Uh, Bombas Socks right now, so (laughs) take note, Bombas. (laughs) Um, We make this podcast uh, right now with the support of Patreon backers. Backers like Rob Harvey, Patrick the Fool uh, with a PH, V Brower, uh, Declan Chadbourne, Alice Tobin, Chad Owen, Blake Ryan, Anthony Nomorosa, Troy Pitchelman, uh, Nora Blake, Richard Kritzlandry, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Robert Cossack, and Rob Abrazzato.
1: If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stopbackandroll. This Patreon also supports our actual play podcast, Protean City Comics, which is about teenage superheroes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't su- support us financially that's totally fine um, you can join our community, submit to our game jams, these are the kinds of things that we also live for, um, and you can join our discord uh, at tinyworld.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stoppackandroll.com, or just hit us up on twitter and say how I get to that discord and we will answer you.
1: <laughs> that seems to be the preferred way to get onto the discord and, yeah, uh, and so we're happy totally to do it cool. So as you're coming into the new year and rolling 2d6 every time you face one of your resolutions, crossing them off one at a time as you fail them, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Next time, send us in some worse games so that we can have kind of like a scale of response. How about next year? It's New Year, Bad Game, Game Jam. Uh, can I also just say real quick, Um, throughout this recording, I've been receiving notifications of tweets from uh, Pippin the Corgi, my dog. Yeah. Uh, he has apparently been sitting sadly outside of the recording room literally this entire time. And there's all (laughs) of the pictures to document it. So go check out at fool of a pup to see my dog so sad that I'm recording.